The Gospel of John chapter 14. <laughs> John chapter 14, we're going to read from verse number 8. John 14, verse number 8. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is sufficient for us. Or show us the Father and we will be satisfied. So Philip right here is asking to see the Father. Philip had been with Jesus, yet he did not know who Jesus was. It is possible to be in church and do not understand who Jesus is. It is possible to rub shoulders with people that serve him and yet don't know him. So Philip at this time, a man who had been with Jesus for at least two years. I was at least two years. At least two years. A man who had seen the glory of God. A man who had seen the, the demonstration of the power of God in the life and ministry of Jesus. Jesus was the embodiment of God. The Bible calls him the express image of God. The one who came to reveal who God is. The one who came to show us the goodness, the grace, the mercies, and, and, and just who God is. And so, this man Philip had been with Jesus, had seen all the things that Jesus had done, had heard the teachings of Christ, yet he did not fully grasp who Jesus was. Is it possible that you can be in a church? Is it possible that you can call yourself a Christian and still do not know who Jesus is? You must come to the place of having a personal encounter with Jesus. Each of you must come to the place where you know Jesus for yourself. It is not what is written in the storybook. It is not a story of other men. It's not a story of other women. It should be your own story. Each person must have an encounter with Jesus. For himself and for herself. I think it gets to the place where people are... You know, people are born in church and people grow up in church and they get used to church. But they don't know who Jesus is. And that is a, that's a tragedy. To be raised in church is a tragedy to be born in church and still don't know Jesus. It's a tragedy to hang around the things of God and still don't know who Jesus is. We read about this with Philip and some people might be amazed that Philip would ask a question like this. But when you begin to talk to people that are amazed, Philip asked this question, you would also discover that they are also ignorant of who Jesus is. Each person must know Jesus. And I tell you the truth, when you truly know Jesus, your life will never be the same again. It's easy for everyone to say what they are not. But the taste of the pudding is in the eating. By their fruit you shall know them. That's basically what it means. If Jesus is Lord of your life. If Jesus is in your heart. If you have had an encounter with Jesus. It is not possible for your life to remain the same. All the nonsense that we hear about. Of what people who claim to be Christians do. It's crazy. But when you know Jesus for yourself, guess what? You're going to so fall in love with him. When you know Jesus for yourself, guess what? The fear of God will burn in your heart. Because when Jesus truly comes, it changes your life. Don't tell me you know Jesus and your life hasn't changed. Come on now, I'm preaching good, say amen. amen. Because when you know him... You know who he represents. You know what he represents. You know who he is. You know his nature. You know his character. 
You know the way he behaves. And the way he behaves will be the way you behave. Come on now. The way he does things will be the way you do things. The way he lives this life will be the way you live your life. Come on now. Say praise the Lord. It's important that each one comes to the place of knowing Jesus for himself and for herself. Excuse me. So Philip was with Jesus, yet he did not know him. So in verse 9, the Bible says, Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? Have I been with you all this time, and yet you still do not know me? Just imagine that. So, Philip didn't know Jesus, even though Jesus had been with him for a while. But watch this now. Jesus said, he who has seen me has seen the Father. So, how can you say, show us the Father? Are you seeing that? There are people who argue. And people who get into all kinds of debate. To disprove the fact that Jesus Christ is God. And I may not have all the time today. And that might not be the line that I want to uh, apply today. But I need you to understand that Jesus Christ is God. Come on, say amen. amen. Jesus Christ is God. Do we have three gods? Absolutely not. We have one God manifesting us in three persons. As Father, and as Son, and as the Holy Ghost. Come on now, say amen. amen. Even when Jesus was on earth, carrying out his three and a half years of earthly ministry, he made a very powerful statement. He said, the, my Father in me, he is the one that doeth the works. Is that not what he said? My Father who is in me, he is the one that doeth the works. But you know that the Father that was in him that he was referring to is the Holy Spirit. Come on now. My father in me, he is the one that doeth the works. So everything that Jesus Christ did in his three and a half years of earthly ministry was done by the Holy Ghost. That is the reason why when the Pharisees accused him of casting out devils by Beelzebub, he said to them, sin against the Father and sin against the Son will be forgiven the sons of men. But sin against the Holy Ghost will not be forgiven, not here in this life or the life to come. What does that mean? Jesus was basically saying to them, all that I do was done by the Holy Spirit. Because notice they said, you are casting out devils by the power of Satan. He said, you're not sinning against me. You're sinning against the Holy Ghost, the one who is doing the works. Are you seeing that? So when he said, the works I do are done by my Father, which, which is in me. And now he says to them that you are sinning against the Holy Spirit. We can now understand that Jesus was actually referring to the Holy Spirit as the Father and the Father as the Holy Ghost. Are you listening to what I'm saying this morning? So Jesus said to Philip, do you not understand that if you have seen me, you have seen who? The Father. Why? Because I have come to show you who the Father is. That's exactly what Jesus came to do. To reveal the Father to us. Because we could not get to the Father but Jesus had to come, or let's say it this way, the Father had to come in a physical body. Do you understand that? The Father had to come in a physical body. That body is what we call the Son of God. That body is what we refer to, or what the Bible refers to as the Son of God. When angel Gabriel came to Mary, a young girl who was espoused 
to be married to Joseph. At the time the angel came, Mary had known nothing about Joseph. Joseph had known nothing about Mary. In other words, they were clean. Everyone said they were clean. Now, she was a peasant girl. She was in the village. And she was probably at the age of 17, 18 when this happened. And when the angel introduced the plan of God to Mary, what did Mary say? Mary said, how can this thing be seeing that I don't know a man? How possible is it for me to get pregnant when I have not met a man? And what did Gabriel say? He said, the power of the highest. Come on, the power of the highest shall come upon you and the glory of the Lord shall overshadow you. And the thing that shall be conceived in you shall be called what? The son of God. Are you seeing that? The thing that shall be conceived in you shall be called the Son of God. Notice what happened. The power of God, the glory of God overshadowed Mary and the seed was sown in her. John chapter 1 verse 1, what does it say? In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Without Him was nothing made. That was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light what? Shineth in the darkness. And the darkness what? Could not comprehend it. If you go down to I believe it's verse number 14. He says and the word became what? Flesh. And dwelt amongst us. And we beheld him as of the glory of the begotten full of grace and truth. Are you seeing that? That word that was put in Mary is Jesus. Are you seeing that? That word, because Jesus is the word of God. You can't separate your word from you. That is why we know your integrity or a lack of it based on what you say. True or not? Have you met people who say stuff and don't do it? Have you met people who just keep lying? What do you call them? Liars. If someone says, I'm going to be there at three, and they're not there at three, the first time you want to give them the benefit of the doubt. But the second time, the third time, the fourth time, you are a liar. True or false? Yes, because you know a man by the words he speaks. You also know God by the word he speaks. Because God will keep to his word. Because his word is Jesus. Oh my God. Come on now, say amen. Come on now, say amen. Now think about when Jesus came on the water, walking on the water, and the disciples were in the boat. And the Bible tells us that they thought it was a ghost. True? And what did Peter say? Lord, is it you? Jesus said, yes, it is I. If it is you. Command me to come to you on the waters. Now, you know what I thought to myself? What if it was not him? <laughs> and the moment Peter stepped out of the boat, what would have happened? Peter would have sank to his death. But do you know why Peter could step out of the boat? Because there is something about the word that comes out of the mouth of God. It's not like the word of everyone else. There is something special about that word. There is authority. There is power. There is glory in that word. When the word of the Lord comes to you, you cannot fight it. You cannot argue. You know it is God speaking to you. So when Peter heard it, come. That was all that the Lord had to say. And Peter knew, this is not a ghost. This is my Lord and my Savior. This is my master. And that is the reason why he stepped out of the boat on the word of the Lord. In the beginning was the word. Everyone said the word. word. That word entered into a woman. Come on now say amen. amen. And that word put on flesh. And that word came out of a woman. And that word dwelt on earth for 33 and a half years. Did not commit one sin. The Bible tells us that he was tempted in every area. 
but never sinned. That word that became flesh and dwelt amongst us healed the sick, raised the dead, cast out devils, preached messages that no one have ever heard, spoke in such a way that no one has ever spoken. Can someone say praise the Lord? That word is Jesus. That word is the Son of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him will not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through his Son. Can someone give him praise and glory? in the house this morning come on now shout amen. amen praise God have I been with you all this time Philip and you still do not know me why do you say show us the father I am the father he says he who has seen me has seen the father how can you say show us the father don't you realize that everything that I've been doing is displaying the glory of the Father? Don't you realize that I am the Father that came from heaven? Don't you realize that if I came as the Father, the glory that I carry, you wouldn't be able to stand? That is the reason why I had to come the way I did. So that you can touch me. So that you can feel me. So that you can interact with me. Can someone shout hallelujah? Now, this is important because when you go to the book of John chapter 17, when Jesus was praying, that is what I believe is the Lord's prayer. In John 17, you know the prayer that was given to the disciples. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. You know, you guys pray that prayer, don't you? I hope you don't. Because I don't. I used to when I was in high school. But now I don't. Do you know why I don't? Because there are a few things about that prayer that reveals to us that it is not a New Testament prayer. Number one, in that prayer, you don't use the name of Jesus. You don't. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. And then at the end, for thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever. Amen. You do not use the name of Jesus in that prayer. And you don't pray in the New Testament without the name of Jesus. Because if you do, your prayer will not be answered. Anyone get what I'm saying this morning? That prayer was given to them as a prayer, you know, they could use in the meantime. I won't say in the meantime. <laughs> in the meantime, pray like this. Because you see, they had seen the way Jesus prayed. And they had seen the results that Jesus had. But then, they did not see that same result in their lives. And they could not pray the way Jesus prayed. Do not forget that back under the Old Testament, in actual fact before the Old Testament, man had lost his fellowship with God. One of the main reasons Jesus came was to restore the fellowship that man had lost. And that fellowship could not be restored to man until Jesus dies, buried, and resurrects. I, are you getting that? So in the meantime, guys, you want to know how to pray? Pray like this. So he gave them that as a prayer that should be prayed in the meantime. But notice when you come over to the book of Acts... You will never hear that prayer. When they prayed in Acts chapter 4, after they had been threatened by the religious leaders, they went into their own company and they said to them, basically revealed all the stuff that the religious leaders had told them, and they got together and they began to pray according to the word in the name of Jesus. If you notice in that prayer in Acts chapter 4, they actually made reference to Thy holy child, Jesus. And the Bible says, as they prayed, the place literally shook. Because they prayed according to the word, and they prayed in the name of Jesus. Can someone say praise the Lord? So, that prayer was not given to the church. 
that prayer was given to the disciples. And they had to pray that prayer until they come into the New Testament. But when Jesus prayed in, in John 17, what did Jesus say? He said to the Father, glorify me now with the same glory that I had with you before the world began. Wow. Before the world began, to glorify you with the same glory. So that means the same glory the Father had, Jesus had. The glory of the Father was not greater than the glory of the Son. He said, glorify me with the same glory. Not a smaller glory. With the same splendor. With the same magnificence. With the same thing I had with you. Give me the same thing now. Yes, of course, because of the reason why I came to earth to die for the sins of men, I had to put off my God dignity. But now I am asking you to give it back to me. I once had it with you before the world began. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Before the world began. That is why John 1 tells us, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The same. Everyone said the same. Was in the beginning with God. Was in the beginning with God. All things were made by who? By this word. By Jesus. Without him was not one thing made that was made. Come on now, shout hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And so when Philip said, show us the Father and we will be satisfied, Jesus was amazed. I'm not expecting this from you, Philip. Don't you know that I am the Father? Don't you realize that I've come to show you what the Father wants you to have? This is one of the reasons why it's, it's crazy the way some people present the gospel because they present the gospel in such a way where it seems as if God is about to judge people. God is angry with you. God is going to smack you up the side of the head if you make any little mistake. No, that is not the God we serve. The God we serve has been revealed to us by Jesus. And he's a God of love. He's a God of grace. He's a God of mercy. He's a God that's full of compassion. Come on now, say praise God. Listen, this God we serve is a good God. It's not about to destroy you. Don't listen to that nonsense. Don't listen to that garbage. God is not in the business of destroying people. This disaster happens here. People say it's God's judging that city. Even the COVID. Some people say it's the judgment of God. It is not the judgment of God. God does not judge people like this. The Bible says that God has set a day to judge the world in righteousness. There is a day. Even demons know that. Unfortunately, some people don't, do, don't know that. When Jesus came, demons said, have you come to torment us before the time? In other words, demons themselves know that there is a specific time for God's judgment to be released. But religious people like to run their mouths. Every little thing that happens. Oh, you see, God is judging New Orleans. When they had that major uh, Katrina, right? Remember that? Oh, my God. They said, it's, they said God was judging New Orleans. And now it's God's judging the world with COVID. I've got news for you. God is light in him. There is no darkness. Come on now. Say praise the Lord. God does not use sickness to judge. God does not use poverty to judge. God does not use anything the devil has got to offer. And this is good news. Some of you need to get excited this morning. Because the way some of you are looking at me, you look like you're being taught that God has been the one judging you based on what you've been going through. I need you to understand that whatever you're going through did not come from God. It came from the devil. And God is here to take it off of you. God is here to set you free from it. God is here to deliver you. God is here to bless you. God is here to honor you. Come on, say amen. Yes, it's God judging you. It's God. No. God put his judgment on Jesus. Some people haven't heard this good news. I'm preaching good news this morning. God put his judgment on Jesus. 
I said, God put his judgment on Jesus. Jesus carried it on the cross for us. Come on now, say amen. God is not about to slap you. God is about to bless you. God is not about to kill you. God is about to give you life. God is not about to kick you out of your house. God is about to give you another house. Come on now, say amen. God is not in the business of destroying people's lives and property. God is in the business of blessing people and increasing them. And that is what we see in the ministry of Jesus. Some people just need to go read the Gospels again and see that Jesus did not judge one sinner that came to him. Everyone that came to him, he received them. Everyone that cried out to him, he helped them. Everyone that said, Lord, please help me. He helped them because he is in the business of helping people. And that is what the Father wants for each of, your, if each of you today. That the Father wants you to be loved upon. The Father wants you to be blessed. The Father wants you empowered. The Father wants you to understand how much he loves you. How much he cares about you. How much he is willing to bless you than you are willing to receive it. God is more interested in meeting your needs than you are interested in having those needs met. All these messages and judgment and all this stuff has messed up the people of God. No, God is in the business of blessing people. Jesus came to show us that. If you were sick, you came to him, he healed you. If you are blind, you came to him, he opened your eyes. The man who had leprosy came to Jesus and said, if it is your will, you can make me clean. Jesus said, it's my will, be clean. But today you hear people say, God puts sickness on people to teach them a lesson. How can God, listen, he wants to teach you a lesson, he makes you sick of cancer. God? Are you serious? And then, the same people who say God is teaching them a lesson, want you to pray for them to be healed. Now, if God is teaching you a lesson by putting sickness on you, then just ask for more sickness. Because it is obvious you haven't learned. God does not put evil on you to teach you. There are two ways that God teaches his people. By the word and by the spirit. Everyone say, by the word and by the spirit. These are the two ways that God teaches his people. Now, listen to me. Somebody might say, but hardship comes upon people. Well, you know why hardship comes upon people? The Bible said, because Israel has forsaken that which is holy, the enemy will pursue him. Are you listening to me? The enemy will pursue him because he has forsaken that which is holy. All this stuff, and when we talk about hardship, don't get me wrong now. Because some of you are already thinking about Deuteronomy chapter 8. I'm probably faster than you when it comes to stuff like this. We need to properly divide the word of God. God does not put hardship of sickness, hardship of poverty on people to teach them. Let's just understand that and resolve that once and for all. Because if you keep... If you keep believing that God puts sickness on you or God puts sickness on your children... Or God is the one that's keeping jobs away from you. And God is the one that's keeping businesses away from you. That, I'm telling you, that will keep you in bondage. Because as a man thinks, so is the man. Come on now, say amen. It's time to start thinking and seeing like God wants you to see. God wants you blessed. God wants you healthy. God wants you well. God wants your marriage working. God wants you to have children if you can't have them. Come on now, say praise God. Hey guys, give me more. Okay, I'm going to change again. So Jesus came to reveal the Father. Say it with me. Jesus came to show us the Father. Jesus came to show us how good the Father is. And the Father is good. And his mercies endures forever. Not for a few years. Forever. Say with me. The mercy of God is upon me. Upon my family. Upon my home. Upon my business. Upon my spouse. Upon my children. Upon everything that I do. 
all the days of my life. If you believe it, then give the Lord a big shout of hallelujah. I talked about the hardship or the suffering that God permits. The Bible says when you are persecuted for righteousness sake. God permits that and God allows that. There is persecution that comes to the believer because he or she lives right. And that is allowed. And if you are not having any kind of persecution for living right, it means you are not. And your faith needs to be questioned. You need to have a one-on-one with God. Because when you live righteously on this earth, you will come under persecution. Some people will walk away from relationships why? Because they don't want to have anything to do with you because you refuse to do the things they do. Come on now, say amen. amen. When you hold a standard of holiness and righteousness and purity, some people would not want to have anything to do with you. And the reason is because your life will convict them. And people that don't want to change, people that don't want to repent, would not like to hang around people that live right. Over the years, I've noticed one thing. Amongst many, whenever people want to backslide, they will leave the church and disconnect from us. Why? Because they know that if they don't disconnect from us, we're going to look them eyeball to eyeball and rebuke and correct. And because they don't want to be corrected, so they will disconnect so that they can do whatever they want to do. Somebody listen to what I'm saying this morning. Let's get back to the text. Verse number 10, John 14. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does the works. Can you see that now? The Father who dwells in me, he does the works. Now, watch this now. The Father who dwells in me, he does the works, right? Jesus goes to the river of Jordan and he gets to meet with John the Baptist. And he is about to, he says, hey, John, you baptize me. John says, no, 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 no. No. Who am I to baptize you? I'm paraphrasing, okay? Who am I to baptize you? You, the son of God. You, my master. Who am I to baptize you? No, John, let us do so, so that we can do what? Fulfill all righteousness let's fulfill all righteousness let's do it it's right we do this it's right we do it like this so anyway cut long story short so jesus goes into the jordan and he was baptized by who john the baptist when he came up out i want to say came up out he came up out of the water the bible says the holy spirit came upon him like a dove that was the place that was the time, that was the day Jesus was anointed. Are you listening to me? He was anointed by the Holy Spirit on that day. Right? So that day he was empowered. That day the Holy Spirit took absolute control over his life. We've got to understand that when Jesus was here on earth, he did not do the things he did because he was God. He did the things he did because he was anointed. Very important you understand that. Let me say that again. He did not do the things he did because he was God. He did the things he did because he was an anointed person. In actual fact, that was the day he became the Christ. All the while, from the day he was born to the age of 30, he was Jesus. That day in the Jordan, as he was filled with the Holy Ghost, he became Jesus the anointed. 
Because the word Christ means the anointed. He became Jesus the anointed. You've got to be anointed to be anointed. And from that day, the Bible says the Holy Spirit drove him into the wilderness. So we see that the life of Jesus is now controlled by the Holy Ghost. The moment he was anointed, the moment he was filled, his life was controlled. Controlled by who? Now he can say, I do nothing except what I first see my father do. I say nothing except what I hear my father say. Can someone say praise the Lord? It was that day, it was that time that the life of Jesus came under the control of the awesome power of the Holy Ghost. And everything he began to do, everything he taught, every step he took was done by the leading of the Spirit of God. Come on now, shout hallelujah. Everyone he healed, every eyes he opened, every dead person he brought back to life was done by the power of the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Spirit was the one who began to lead and navigate the life of Jesus. Everything he did, every step he took, everywhere he went to was by the leading of the Spirit. That is why he said, watch this now, watch this. It's important because we are able to tie this together. Watch what he said in verse number 10. I speak to you, no, sorry, verse number nine. He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show me the Father? Do you not believe, verse 10, that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The works or the, the words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. So if he was led by the Spirit of God in everything he said, and now he tells us here, that the words I speak, I don't speak on my own authority. I speak by the authority of who? My father. Watch this. This is good stuff. This is good. But the father who dwells in me, in me, in me, in me. Everyone say in me. Notice the father who dwells in me, in, in, oh, this is good. Remember when, when he was filled with the Holy Ghost. Someone spoke from heaven. What did the person say? This is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Correct? Someone spoke from heaven. But someone is inside too. How do you understand this God? I mean, this God is so, this God is so complex. You can't understand him. You can't comprehend him. That's why the Bible says this, that spiritual things are foolishness to those that are carnal. Those that are in their minds. And this is the reason why a lot of people don't understand the gospel. Because they think they can comprehend the gospel with their heads. Your head is not made to comprehend the gospel. Your head is used for thinking. It is your heart that understands the gospel. Pastor Godwell, I don't understand that. No, no. It is not designed for you to understand with your head. And to be honest with you, you're not that smart to understand God. Fact. Fact. You're not. God is too deep. God is too high. God is too wide. God is too big. I like that song. It's a big, 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 big God. You have that one you do, right? What's that song? Huh? Big, big, big. And, and you stretch before you know you'll be falling on the ground because you can't, you can't exhaust the, the, the bigness of our God. Come on now, say amen. Our God is too big to be understood with the mind of man. The man, the man that is carnal cannot, cannot comprehend the things of the spirit. These things are discerned spiritually. They are foolishness to them that perish. But to us is the power of God. Someone, come on, someone shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Is this helping anybody today? Yeah. Verse 11 said, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Or else, believe me for the sake of the works themselves. So how do I know the Father? By knowing Jesus. How do I know the Father? By knowing Jesus. How do I know the Father? 
I know the Father when I know the Son. Come on now, say amen. And just for the sake of people who still have a problem with, is he, is Jesus God? Go to Hebrews. Go to the book of Hebrews. Let me show you something here quickly. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Someone say, thank you, Jesus. Have you found Hebrews? Look at Hebrews chapter 1. If you found it, say, praise the Lord. I'm going to finish with this. Verse number 1 says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past, to the fathers by the prophets. How did he speak to the prophets? Oh, sorry, how did he speak to the fathers? By the prophets. Can we see that? So in the past, he spoke to the fathers using prophets. But verse 2 says, Has in these last days spoken to us by his son. By his son. So you want to know the father, you've got to know the son. Are you seeing that? You want to know the Father, you've got to know the Son. A lot of people are living their Christian lives vicariously. Through someone else. You have people that are supposed to know God for themselves, but they want to hear God through a prophet. People still have their personal prophets. People keep calling their personal prophets in Africa. And asking them, what is the Lord saying? What is the Lord saying? Are you kidding me? What is he saying to you? Can you not know God for yourself? And I'm not despising the office of the prophet. I believe strongly in the office of the prophet. But gone are the days when we seek direction from men. We now live in the New Testament where the Spirit of the Lord leads us. And each of you need to know God for yourself. If you know God for yourself, I promise you, you would not be praying the kind of prayers you pray. And calling on everybody to tell you what God is saying. I hang around some people. I mean, there's a few people that have done this to me. Pastor, what's God saying? Give me a break. What is God saying? God has been saying the same thing for the last 2,000 years. God said, go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. What's wrong with some people? What is God saying? I mean, to them, it seems like God needs to say something new every day. God has been speaking. Go read your Bible. He already spoke to you. What's wrong with people? Men of God, what is God saying? What is he saying? He says, go read your Bible. I heard the story of a woman who called on a prophet and said, man of God. Man of God was sleeping, by the way. Called him up. The man of God woke up and answered his phone and said, uh, the woman said, uh, man of God, what is God saying? The man of God said to her, God said, go back to bed. <laughs> What's wrong with people? What is God saying? Yeah, what is God saying? God's saying the same thing he has always said. Go out in the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Come on now, say amen. amen. What is God saying? Love your neighbor as yourself. What is God saying? Live a life of holiness and purity. Be thou holy for I am holy. What is God saying? Do not neglect the gathering together of yourselves. As you see it as the nature of some is. Especially as you see the day of the Lord approaching. What is God saying? Be faithful. Be committed. What is God saying? Husbands love your wives. As Christ loved the church. And gave himself for her. Come on now say amen. What is God saying? Wives submit unto your own husbands. As the church is subject to Christ in all things. Let the wife also see that she's subject to her husband in everything. What is God saying? The same thing he has always said. Come on now I'm preaching good say amen. amen. He has spoken to us through his son. Everyone say through his son. Verse number two. Whom he has appointed heir of all things. Through whom also he made the worlds. Are you seeing John 1 the same thing I was quoting? The same thing right here. This is John 1 also. Or well, this agrees with John 1. 
through whom also he made the worlds. Who being in the brightness, I want the brightness, brightness of his glory and express image of his person. If you have seen Jesus, you have seen the Father. Because you see here, it says Jesus is the brightness of his glory and express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Come on now. That name that he obtained is Jesus. Are you listening to me? He obtained it. Everyone say he obtained it. That name was bestowed upon him. Are you listening to me? That's, that's actually Philippians, right? Yeah. When he appeared, he saw that he was a man, so he put off his uh, God dignity and he humbled himself as a man and he went to the cross, even the death of the cross. And because he did that, God has highly exalted him and given him or bestowed upon him a name that is above every other name. So that bestowed upon him because of his humility. There are the mention of the name Jesus. Every knee will bow of things in heaven, of things in earth, of things beneath the earth. And every tongue shall confess to the glory of the Father that Jesus Christ is Lord. So that name was given to him. Was bestowed upon him because of what he did. Come on, that is the name. That is the name that is now being compared to the name of angels. Okay? Not his position, but his name. Do you get that? Oh my God. Somebody home this morning. It's still early. It's just the one, by the way. Come on now, say amen. Look at verse number five. For to which of the angels did he ever say, who is the he here, God? You are my son. Today I have begotten you. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. But when he... Again, brings the firstborn into the world. That was the firstborn. Yeah, when he brings him into the world, he says, let all the angels of God worship him. We know he's referring to who? Who is he referring to? Thank you. Verse number seven. And of the angels, he says, who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire? Watch this in verse eight. This will, this will make your mind flip. But to the son... He says, read that for me. No, 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 wait. Wait, wait. Yo, read that again. God the Father refers to the Son as God. Watch that. Watch that. Read that carefully. Read that again. Your throne, O God. Keep reading. Your throne, O God. So God the Father calls the Son God. Notice it is not small letter G. Is that the way it is in your Bible, small letter G? It's capital letter G. Because there is a difference between small letter G and capital letter G. Small letter G is when you're referring to God's. Big letter G is when you're referring to God. So God the Father refers to Jesus the Son. That's why I asked you the question, who is this referring to? When he says to the Son, he says, you know it is referring to who? Jesus. Watch this now. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. Watch verse 9. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, your God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Watch this, watch this. Verse number 10. Yes, but uh, Prophet Amos, you have a word. Um, read verse number 10 for me. Everybody want to go. Verse number 10. Read it. And you, Lord. Stop. Who is God the Father talking to? Your throne, O God. Father referred to the Son as God. And then continues. And in the beginning, thou, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth. Thou, to, to God the Father saying, you did it. 
John chapter 1, the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by the Son, by the Word. Without Him was nothing made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was a light of man. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness could not comprehend it. And the Word became flesh. Oh, people are still in their Bibles. I'm getting a revelation. Really? All this time my friends argue with me. Now I see. Oh my God. Oh my God. All these times people say, Jesus Christ is beneath God. Oh, these Christians have three gods. No, we don't. We have one God manifesting as a father, as a son, and as a Holy Ghost. One God manifesting as a father, as a son, as a Holy Ghost. He decides to take any position he wants. He is the Father. He wants to be his Son. He wants to be the Holy Spirit. He wants to be the Son. He wants to be the Holy Ghost. He wants to be the Father. He wants to be the Holy Ghost. He was the one that entered into Jesus and the baptism. And he was the one speaking from heaven too. I don't understand it. You can't understand it. <laughs> this is the Word of God. You, Lord, at the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. Verse 11, they will perish, but you remain. And they will all grow old like a garment, like a clock. You will fold them up, and they will be changed. But you are the same. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Malachi chapter 3, I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. We're talking about one God here. He is the same person, Jesus. He is the same person, the Holy Ghost. He is the same person, the Father. Come on now, shout hallelujah. You are the same. Your years will not fail. Come on, say amen. Anybody getting anything today? What a revelation of the word. What a revelation of who Jesus is. What a revelation of who Jesus is. He does not condemn you, my friend. But I've said this to people. Right now, we leave. Listen, what's the dispensation we're living in? Dispensation of grace. What is grace? Undeserved favor. Unmerited favor. God giving you what you don't deserve. Like when that woman who was caught in the very act of adultery was brought to Jesus. And Jesus took down and was writing on the ground. And these men were, were with their stones and they said, Rabbi, Moses said, A woman like this should be what? Stoned to death. What do you say? See, law and grace don't work together. Law came and law ran his course now with his grace come on now the bible says it is the goodness of god that leads to repentance not the judgment of god not the floggings of god not the not not the spanking of god the goodness of god and i'm here to announce to you that the god we serve is a good god a God who cares for you more than you can ever imagine. That's the God we serve. Can someone say amen?